Hello and welcome to a brand new series of The Dirt in partnership with Gardening Works. We're the podcast that wants to help your love of gardening bloom. I'm Emily, Senior Content Creator for Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Sophie, Grow Your Own's content writer. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the gardening trends that we can all expect to see this year, a different take on garden pests and a new secret garden that's on its way to London. But first, we're joined by David Jeffrey, Communigrow's horticultural leader. Hello, David. Hello. How are you doing today? Um, it's um, it's been a, a busy day today because we've had um, because we had rain over the weekend, so we've had two dry days. So we've managed to get onto the field and start preparing the the ground ready for um, producing crops. Oh, brilliant! Um, any particular crops that you've been starting so far? We haven't put anything in at the moment, but because we're in the middle of March now. So um, spring is well and truly here. So we'll be starting with salad crops to start with because they're, they're quite um, quick growing. So Brilliant. Lovely. It's, it's just sort of now we're getting to that time of the year. It's getting a little bit warmer. You don't mind spending quite so much time outside and everything can sort of get in the ground now, can't it? So it's lovely. Now, obviously, you are horticultural leader for Communigrow. Um, so what does that kind of entail? What can you tell us about Communigrow and and everything that you, you try to achieve? So within the, the charity, we're, we're community-centred and community-based. So it's a place where people can come and they can feel part of a community spirit. Yeah. I have On the field, I have 20-plus um, volunteers that come regularly during the week and give their, give their time um, on, the, on the site. We also have school groups that come in as well. So, and we teach them the basics of growing their own vegetables in an organic way, but also um, yeah. nature. Nature is um, the, the centre pin for everything I do on uh, on the field. Brilliant. That's lovely. And it's nice to combine those kind of features together and, and use them to inspire other people as well, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a lovely thing to be able to do. But the thing is, it's it doesn't matter what um, experience you have in gardening. You can always learn. Yeah. I started gardening from a very early age and I went to Hadlow College in the uh, late 70s. And I'm still learning now. And I've been in this kind of industry for within 40 years or so, kind of in and out of the industry. And there's still new methods, but also looking at the old methods that we use as well. Mm. So a lot of... A lot of the things we do on the field are things that there may be modern things that we look at and modern varieties, but we also look at um, older varieties and some quite ancient ones. Yeah, Um, they could be 100 or 200 years old, and we're using those those varieties as well. And it's showing people that it doesn't matter how big a space you have, you can grow your own grow your own vegetables, Mm. and it can be a large plot or it can be just a bucket <laughs> yeah it's it's it doesn't matter you can and it's it's the taste that you get as well from growing your own things so yeah a hundred percent nothing quite like it <laughs> and obviously it sounds like you've really spanned across age groups and like you say different uh, methods and 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 times of gardening in terms of traditions and things like that so with those in mind what would you say have been your biggest gardening successes to date? Um, I would say, oh, <laughs> that's a difficult one to say. There's been a lot of successes. I've been I've been at the community grove for over eighteen months now, and there have been so many good things. I think one of the one of the ones I would kind of point out is 
when we get the school groups come in and they will plant seeds and they see for the first time something growing mm. and it's the wonder in their on their faces in their eyes yeah yeah and then they see it grow and then we nurture it with them and then we will lift the carrots and then we actually cook the carrots with them oh. so they've they've gone from from having absolutely nothing from a seed which looks dry and dead yeah. to something they can eat lovely it's um it's really, really. It inspires. It inspires them for the future. But it, I think it also inspires uh, parents and everyone else as well. Absolutely, and it, like you say, it's lovely to see that life cycle, isn't it, from a seed all the way to your plate. And it's it's such an educational thing to be able to show people and do. So that's really lovely. I'm sure I read somewhere as well that quite a lot of children in the UK don't actually understand the life cycle of of fruit and fruits and vegetables as well and that you know that's quite a, a lost element of general knowledge within children so that's lovely that you're introducing that back into the fold again well the thing is it's for some children um, vegetables come from a supermarket or a shop mm. and for them to see that actually they don't come from a supermarket they come from the ground is for some of them it's it's a real eye-opener for, for some of them they think oh no not not from the dirt <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but others um, children being children quite a lot of the children like playing in the dirt um, I remember I used to like playing in the dirt <laughs> so it's for them to see that and to see dirty vegetables, especially for things like potatoes. Yeah. And then you can explain to them that from potatoes, they can, this is where you get packets of crisps from. Yeah. Or uh, French fries and things like that. So it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of detail you can go into just by a humble potato or, or, a, a, you know, a, a, an onion or anything like that. Mm. It's, it's not just the growing, it's the, the, the magic of the history of where uh, vegetables come from as well yeah. and why why we eat them yeah absolutely in terms of um particular crops that you grow uh, do any are there any varieties that stand out to you recently that have you know in the last couple of years that have done really well for you um, we um during the summer we grew um quite a lot of varieties of squashes so we had um summer and winter squash and also courgettes oh lovely and they um, i think we did um 18 varieties and they were very popular because quite a lot of people don't don't haven't discovered squashes yet. They may discover marrows or uh, courgettes, but not the other squashes. Yeah. So being able to see those grow and then explaining to people how to prepare them, how to eat them. My, one of my favourite things is when we get new groups coming around or visitors. I take them around the field and we sample the crops raw. Oh. So we just pick things. So at the moment. We haven't got very many crops at the moment. We've got purple sprouting. Oh, lovely. And um, so we, I just go and pick some purple sprouting and start eating it. <laughs> and the, the you get two reactions. There's the, oh, no, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and But the other reaction is, oh, can I try some? Because yeah. Yeah. they can see the pleasure on my face while I'm eating it. So it's it kind of transcends to them that, oh, maybe it is nice. Yeah. And when they do taste it, they realize it actually it's sweet mm. to eat raw. It's probably... and it, when you cook it, there's a totally different taste. Yeah. So it's um. Yeah. It's just it's kind of inspiring that thing as as well to kind of try different vegetables, mm. but try them in different ways as well. So yeah. And raw is always best. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and with with the crops that you mentioned, I mean, there's so many beautiful varieties of squashes available, and obviously the purple sprouting broccoli is beautiful in its own right. And I think that must help young people to 
be more open-minded when it comes to vegetables because it looks amazing. Why wouldn't you want to try that? That's right. I mean, um, if we go to, I mean, another example is Brussels sprouts. We actually, last year, we grew purple Brussels sprouts. Oh, delicious. Oh, so we, we tried those and a lot of the um, families, they, they wanted to try the purple Brussels sprouts. And the reaction afterwards when they came back to the field and said, actually, the, my children do like the purple Brussels sprouts. Oh. They don't taste any different, but because they're purple and they're not <laughs> green and hard or green and slimy, yeah. there's, there is a different reaction to it. So It's not your, not your typical vegetable. <laughs> yes, it's similar to purple carrots and, and things like that. That you just get It's the same vegetable, but you get a different perspective on what children like. Yeah. And um, and colour does matter. It does. It's like a vegetable in disguise, isn't it? It's yes, wearing a mask. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, now, obviously, we have many successes on the plot, and it sounds like you definitely do, so that's wonderful. Um, now, have there been any mishaps along the way that, that come to mind that you've thought, oh, I've learnt from that one? <laughs> well, I think um, if I just mention last year tomatoes, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. everybody that's listening to the um, the podcast will all be saying that exactly the same thing was don't talk about tomatoes <laughs> um we we lost 480 of our tomato plants oh. uh, through blight which oh, left dear. us about about 30 or 40 mm. however we we were able to take the green tomatoes that was on the plants and turn them into green tomato chutney so we could still use them. Oh, brilliant. Thing. Yeah. It was it was annoying because um, with tomatoes, I'm experimenting with 20 different varieties. Wow. Because I've, because I've got the, the room in the field, it's, it's a case of helping people decide for themselves what varieties of tomatoes to plant. Yeah. So I plant as many different varieties as possible, and then they can try them for themselves. But we do a tasting sessions as well, so they can they can see how they grow, they can taste how they are, yeah. and then they can go and say, right, I'm going to try this variety because I know what it's like. Oh, what a good idea. And yeah. quite a few of the varieties were um, blight-resistant. However, they were early blight-resistant. Oh. Because of the, the weather last year where we had that very cold April into May, it meant that the tomato blight that we had was late tomato blight and not early tomato blight. Oh. And late tomato blight is similarly to, um, to potato blight, and that's why it devastated so many people's potatoes, because the tomatoes weren't, you wouldn't normally get that type of, uh, the tomatoes weren't advanced enough to cope with the blight when it came in. Yeah, I see. So it's, um, I blame the weather. Not the tomatoes, not the blight. It was the weather. <laughs> okay, weather. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the bane of gardening. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that's such a shame because I think for so many people, tomato plants are the pinnacle of summer growing, aren't they? And to have lost so many of them, that must have been really upsetting. It, it was, but then we could tell people why. Yeah. You know, I could explain why the tomatoes um, had failed but also we could show them that they could use the green tomatoes for making chutney yes yeah um, but the success from that was that the cucumbers were marvelous mm. last year oh. so um whatever nature takes away it always brings something back so mm. you you can't blame nature or the way that it works it's um as long as you use nature properly yeah then you will benefit from it and yeah. that's as I say, that's the whole thesis of what we try and do through a community group. Mm, that's so true. Have nature on our side and then we 
were great. Yeah, that's, that's a lovely way of looking at it, actually. Like nature will always give something back, no matter what it, it doesn't let you have. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's something that if we bear that in mind, the, the failures along the way don't seem so bad. So, yeah. No, and it's it's taking the positives out of all failures. There's always positives. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's you know, right. So tomatoes failed last year because of this, this, and this. So this year we'll try something else. Mm. And it's um, so you're learning. As I said before, you know, I'm I've been gardening for many many years, and I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. Else. So in terms of everything that you've learned so far. Um, are there any gardening hacks that you can share with us? Maybe some time-saving tips or, yeah, just little ways to cut corners that you can share? Okay. Um, we have a lot of trees around uh, the field and we collect all the leaves and many leaves as we can. And we use and we spread them onto the, onto the land, onto the growing areas. Oh, okay. Yep. Because earthworms love leaves. Mm. And they will take them down into the ground. So it's and it's it does two things really. It protects quite a bit of land from a lot of frosts and things like that, especially in the spring. Yes. But it also you're putting nutrients back into the, the ground that you're taking out. Brilliant. We try not to dig too much either. We're not completely no dig, but I mean I'm sixty two, so I don't want to be double digging like a three acre plot. <laughs> so um you could call it lazy gardening, but um <laughs> it's it's using the uh, nature again so we do as much cultivation l- as late as possible so right into october even into november and that nature break down the soil mm. let nature do its thing perfect yeah so that's rather than kind of waiting until the spring and then trying to rush and do lots of things that way i think the other thing is just to experiment it, it may sound the packet don't don't sow until march or april but just experiment try it we we started sowing some of our seeds in a cold greenhouse in january oh wow and they are they're the seedlings are now about three or four inches high oh brilliant okay, we still won't put them out at the moment mm. because of our frosts but it's um i think more than anything just try things just go for it really you know, just try <laughs> things out you know it's um it's, if you fail then you you fail and you kind of think well okay that didn't work i might try something else exactly so that that would be that would be my advice is mm. Don't be too blinkered on what the what the experts say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just tr- just just try things because um, you'll be surprised um, how plants uh, adapt and how how tough they are. You know, they put up with a lot of things, really. Well, apart from slugs. But, uh, <laughs> apart please from don't those. please don't get me onto slugs. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not our favourite subject either. I can no. say. <laughs> Well, obviously, that's a great tip for our listeners, and I'm sure it's one that lots of us should be taking away, is to just try new things. Um, now, what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned over the years? I know there must be many that you've come across um, since you've been doing this, but is there one that's really stood out to you? Goodness, that is difficult. <laughs> uh, again, I, I would say look at, look around, follow what nature's doing. Yep. If um, the the cherries are coming into bloom early then it's a reason why they're coming into bloom early yeah. if they're blooming if they're not coming into bloom very early or if say the daffodils are later there's a reason why they they sense what the weather is like and sometimes they can sense what it's going to be so i would say follow nature yeah i'd also say that make notes keep a diary of what you do this year yeah. and then do that again next year as well and then compare the two and see how your two years have differed. I've been keeping diaries for 
uh, during my um, vegetable growing for the over the last 40 years and um, and you can see patterns of how things grow and also weathers up until last year in Kent the the last frost was the 18th of May just about every year last year the last frost was the 25th of May oh. so completely week later mm. yeah so where I where I put things out where I'd normally think right it's gone past the 18th of May it's the 21st of May. I would now plant a lot of things out. And of course, a lot of them died yeah. because there was a late frost. So that is, you, know, you don't have to really go into lots of detail, but just you know, kind of look at things and, um, and take notice. Yeah, that's so true. The information is there in front of you you just have to pay a little bit of attention like you say it's very easy to sort of look at gardening as such a dry and methodical thing that you just follow the seed packet instructions and that will guarantee you success but it's it's definitely a lot more than that isn't it it, it yes it is it's um and it's it's experience even if you're a very a real novice gardener um, you can follow the instructions but also ask somebody mm. there's always somebody that's got a little bit more knowledge than you have yes and yeah. um and you may not want to take that knowledge or to take that advice but you know ask for it and i would say most seasoned gardeners will, will really enjoy the fact that you are asking them for advice mm. yeah. um, they they are proud of knowing more than you do yes that's <laughs> um, a good way of putting it yeah um, but they are also proud to say they're not too proud to say actually yes this is what i would do mm. if i was you yeah. i would do such and such and then take that advice if it doesn't work don't go and blame them but you know, <laughs> it may be because of so many different factors yeah and if you're if you're in an allotment your plot can be completely different to the plot next door so it's um you know even local uh, growing can be as as localized as that mm. just a few yards difference so yes amazing yeah it's almost a tiny kind of microclimate isn't it it's all different things people have different patches of all sorts so it's it's a nice mixture and lots to take away from each one I suppose yeah yes definitely so David it seems that you haven't worked for Communigro for your whole career so where else have you worked um, well previous to Communigro I worked in a prison and I taught um, horticulture sitting guilds in the prison and one of the things I would do there was um, I would teach about soil and soil science and I'd spend a whole week going through where soils came from and about soil science and my mantra for for the students there was that because I thought it was so important and my mantra was that um, soil is the foundation of growing oh yeah and it was quite strange because uh, over the years I would have um, some of my ex-students would come up to me and they would shout at me David David what Soil is the foundation of growing, <laughs> and I think it's so so good. So um, yeah, yes. so, and it sticks, doesn't it? When when you have something like that, it's 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 brilliant when you are teaching people to just have this thing to shout out and yell and remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was it was just so something so simple, but they they all remembered it, and mm. I think that's that's important. We've said it many times on this podcast before, but it's that idea that gardening brings a lot of hope. To people you know perhaps if you found yourself in a difficult situation it's it's always you can look forward to the future there's always another season around the corner it's yeah it's a lovely mentality yes definitely I don't know if this is something you're going to know David if you um don't have much uh sort of tech experience but is there anywhere that um 
people, our, our listeners can uh, connect with Community Grow? Do you have social media pages or anything like that? Uh, yes, we do. Um, uh, as you can tell, I'm mainly in the field most of the time. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we do have um, we do have a, a web page and we have um, other uh, social media outlets as well. Brilliant. We can link to those in the description and things, so <laughs> we can we can yeah, yeah. introduce our listeners to those. But uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Wonderful chat. Thank you for coming. No, thank thank you for inviting me on. Well, I hope then um, the rest of the season goes well for you, and, and no more blight disasters for the for this year. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more blights. <laughs> no, no more slugs. No more blight. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nothing like that. Well, yeah, we'll um, we'll chat to you again soon. And Sophie, shall we hear from our sponsor now? Yep, let's go. Raise your growing game with Gardening Works. Gardening Works has all you need from composting the old to planting the new. Specialists in all things wood, visit the website to see the full range of award-winning compost bins, raised beds and much more. Gardening Works is passionate about gardening, wildlife and the environment and makes sure all of the wood used in its products is FSC certified and sustainable. Gardening Works products are handmade in the Ribble Valley to the highest possible standards. By using the high quality compost bins, you can be making your own compost from your own plot in no time. Find everything you need to create your perfect vegetable garden by visiting gardeningworks.co.uk. That's gardeningworks.co.uk. So Sophie, have you been enjoying the lovely sunny weather we've been having recently? I have. It's been really, really lovely here. It's um, There's actually not been a rainy day at all this week. Um, mm. So that's been a big bonus. It's um, been such a big boost to my mood, I've found. And my seedlings are obviously loving it as well. So Exactly. I think there's no better satisfaction than looking out and seeing it's a good day for the seedlings. <laughs> you know, they're going to get a good dose of sunshine. <laughs> and, it. you know, and, and I actually did sow some outdoor seeds well I, I sowed some carrots at, um the other weekend so I'm hoping oh. that that might just sort of bring them bring them around a little bit so that'd be really nice <laughs> and my other peas start. as well <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. that's it <laughs> <laughs> it's just Sophie and I um, here today, um, just because Laura's obviously um, got COVID at the moment. So yeah, we'll be yeah. Uh, taking on the team talk, uh, just us two. So um, Sophie, what's your story for today? Well, I was actually looking on my London, um, dot, it's actually dot news. Um, and there's a story about a new public park um, that's coming to London. So in Finsbury Park, obviously, it's been there a long time, but they're going to sort of completely transform it. Um, make it into like a, a space for wildlife visitors um, and also workers that live around the area yeah it's really lovely so the idea is that it's going to be yeah so in Finsbury Circus Gardens um, and they're going to introduce two new buildings so there's going to be a, a pavilion sort of cafe for people to stop by and have have a snack or have a have a meal you know with their family friends co-workers um, and also on the buildings there's going to be um, some like green roofs so that they're putting plants all over the roofs and the idea is to make it as eco-friendly as possible um and I just thought it was a really nice idea because I think 
the big push for for mental health the the improvement of mental health through nature and being outdoors so any any workers sort of in the surrounding area they can come come and stop by for their lunch break mm. and i think it'd be a really nice sort of addition to to london really yeah definitely um, and and also uh, the, yeah the thing that attracted me to the article in the first place was that there was going to be a bat habitat there as well which is even better <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's going to be a lot of different things for nature there um but also it sounds like it's going to be a, a nice little feature for people maybe you know london is such an ex- expensive place to go to i mean it's, it's it's brilliant to visit but it's nice to have something like that as a little feature that's you know kind of free to go and enjoy and yeah. have a look around at and like i said the bat habitat sounds really interesting yeah exactly i, I mean there's there was a, once a bowling green there that's all going to be replaced with a nice like giant lawn so and that's open for all of the public and, and they plan to hold events there eventually and it's going to be sort of a nice gathering space with just really nice surroundings they actually do frame it as a secret garden that they're going to have there so it's just a nice little escape isn't it from the hustle and bustle of london in general mm. Um, yeah, and, and I just thought I'll definitely be visiting that when I next go there. <laughs> By the time it's done, of <laughs> we keep we keep seem to be planning lots of press trips around our stories, but I think that definitely sounds like it's going to be one. Of yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be. And actually, <laughs> that ties in very well with my story because oh. um, I was looking on the Express website um, and they were basically highlighting what are the, the emerging new garden trends for 2022, which I thought was really interesting. Oh, okay. And one of the key themes for this year is rustic resilience, oh. which I found intriguing. And basically it's all about reconnecting with the natural world and reducing our impact on basically all of our resources um, and basically um, using like live plants as a way to socialize improve mental health um obviously growing homegrown produce as well it's all just using the natural world and bringing it into our own lives Um, and obviously uh, with with these gardens uh, in london it sounds like it's doing just that yeah absolutely i mean i I think it's really lovely that uh, there's this whole kind of drive to introduce nature and plants everywhere in our lives now you know that there's been such a recognition that it's such a good thing for your mental health and your physical health you know the actual act of gardening um and the fact that they're bringing it in and I love the name rustic resilience as well I think that's lovely (laughs) so it's really catchy as well (laughs) one thing as well that I thought would uh make you smile is that um they're saying that key key themes can be seen in um vibrant gardens packed with raised beds vertical planters and pots of seedlings and actually I thought if that's not Sophie's uh, (gasps) growing season (laughs) yeah in in you know in in a sentence I don't know what is (laughs) they've basically summed up my 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 growing season for the year how's your raised bed going well it's actually i mean quite good i mean as i say i've i've sewn some things into it now i've also transplanted out my pea plants so i've been hardening those off for about a week Mm. which i don't know if it was quite long enough you know i think i could have done with two weeks but the weather's been so nice that i just stuck them straight in um and they're under little um so they're under i've got like a net stretched across everything at the moment because they're not quite big enough to reach the net um but you know i've got some little yeah some little carrot seeds in as well they've not germinated yet but i think they can take up to three weeks so um Mm. (laughs) i've got to be a bit more patient for those um (laughs) but yeah it's just remembering to get out and keep watering them because obviously we've not done that since last summer i mean last thing i was planting outside with radishes and that was last September. So I <laughs> need to remember to water the outside ones as well as the inside ones, I think. But also bearing in mind how varied 
areas of the UK are. I didn't realise until just recently. Obviously, we, we both live in Essex and yeah. that's one of the driest counties in the UK. Yeah. So you have to bear that in mind when you're growing stuff outdoors. Actually, you probably will need to water a bit more often than say, I mean, I used to live in Bath and that was one of the wettest. So <laughs> I suppose growers in Bath might not have uh, so much of an issue <laughs> Yeah, with very that. different. Um, but yeah, just I guess, you know, there's different problems for different areas, isn't it? They might sort of suffer from more flooding and, you know, have to be careful with, um, you know, ground gets saturated and that sort of thing so but um yeah well it sounds like your raised beds are growing going well so far anyway (laughs) yeah I'm really looking forward to you know like I mean as April comes in there's going to be a lot more to 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 plant out and 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 to sow directly outside so that'll be really fun Mm. um but how are your chilies doing because we haven't had an update on those for a while are they doing well or (laughs) yeah I think last time I spoke about them on here um they hadn't even emerged from the soil I was just sort of digging down every couple of days (laughs) giving them the hurry up um but no they are fully formed little plants now um it's just absolutely amazes me no matter how many times I grow them how quickly they develop and I feel like I go to bed and then wake up the next morning and they've grown another set of leaves or they've grown that little bit taller or they've moved and yeah they're just so it sounds really silly to say but it amazes me how alive they really are yeah absolutely and when you do grow them from seed you realize don't you just how how much can come from a tiny little thing like it's so fascinating yeah and you feel like you wait for ages for them to spring to life and then before you know it they're sort of half a foot tall and you think well how did that happen I I don't understand they once they get going they really get going (laughs) yeah absolutely and and I think as well if you if you I mean I've stayed away for a night or two recently and and you come back and and there's like a few like they've grown and you're like wow that happened just while I was away for one night (laughs) it makes you appreciate it even more (laughs) oh one thing as well I need to actually um make a point of and I I don't like not following the rules of things. I like to grow things as they're supposed to be. I follow the seed packet instructions. But my boyfriend had said, oh, what are you going to do with those leftover seedlings? Because obviously I'd sown more seeds than I needed. I was only going to grow a few on, on my windowsill. And I said, oh, I'll probably just put them in the you know um, garden recycling. And he said, no, I think you should do a test one or two and just plant them straight out into the garden we've got a very very sunny spot in our garden oh (laughs) and just leave them to fend for themselves (laughs) to see if you end up with like extra chilies because we're not doing much with the with the back garden at the moment okay so So i promised him that yes i will leave them to to fend for themselves to see if they can actually obviously once the frosts have passed i wouldn't i wouldn't be that mean (laughs) but um (laughs) stick them out in the cold yeah (laughs) if we have a kind summer you never know (laughs) yeah you you might be really surprised even if it's an extra few fruits it's better than just throwing them away isn't it (laughs) all together well that's yeah yeah Yeah, I suppose he's right I've taken the time to grow them and we've we've definitely got room so uh yeah I'll uh I'll keep you posted like I say it'll probably be a few months before I I plant them out but yeah (laughs) well I look forward to that because it'll be an interesting experiment for everybody else you know yeah we can plant them out earlier with risks and actually (laughs) a few of the guests that we've had on this season of the podcast have really inspired me with their just easygoing attitude to to gardening and growing their own you know they'll just do experiment plants and and just see where it takes them and what they'll learn from it and yeah yeah I'm, I'm trying to embrace being 
less less uptight with things like that and less you know strict on following the rules (laughs) yeah absolutely I mean like you say you never know do you it depends on the area and luck at the same time the weather so you you might be nicely surprised you know Mm. you just you just don't know yeah that's true another thing as well about not following the rules that well there's lots of preconceived ideas is um actually a story from the guardian about how we should be rethinking how we view pests garden pests okay um so there's a story that says basically obviously slugs and snails we all know what a bad reputation that they have um they're one of the most complained (laughs) about garden visitors um so basically it's um sort of explaining that um they play a vital role in recycling dead plant material and animal waste um and they act as a food source for hedgehogs obviously frogs and birds and beetles and predatory flies which are all really really important for the ecosystem of the garden so yeah i just thought that was quite an important message that actually although they are a pain and some of us may wish they didn't exist at all (laughs) they actually do play a part in the whole life cycle of your crops and and other beneficial creatures that will play a part in this in the life cycle of of edibles yeah absolutely and 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 i think i've read somewhere that there's only a handful out of the hundreds of species of slugs in the uk there's only a handful that actually do act as pests and eat the plants that we're trying to grow apparently a lot of them are quite harmless but obviously we notice the ones that do munch away at our, <laughs> our crops so that's not always the, the the most reassuring sort of fact in the world but but like you say you know they provide food don't they for the hedgehogs and and everything like that so it is all just one ecosystem at the end of the day so you know like you say, I, I often I would like for them to stay well away from my garden. But <laughs> if they're doing, if they're doing, you know, the other animals a lot of good, then it's not not quite so bad, is it? It does make up for it a little bit. Mm. And obviously, we try and encourage, you know, organic methods of of growing, and yeah. you know, accepting and sort of embracing pests as part of of the of the whole yeah. process is definitely, you know, uh, falls under that umbrella. I would say so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar to the way people are trying to sort of rethink weeds as well. I mean, obviously, weeds are not a good thing if they're competing with the plants that need all your nutrients. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes in small proportions, you know, in the garden, a sort of wild patch, they can be really, really brilliant for the environment. And you can even eat some of them. I mean, yes. not all of them. Double check that first. But <laughs> a lot of them <laughs> you, you can do things with. So, But yeah. speaking of weeds, I felt so guilty actually um at the weekend I decided to cut my grass for the first time this year because it really badly needed it and I took off the heads of like quite a few daisies and I know the bees were really loving them and I felt so sad because yesterday I looked out into my back garden and I could just see a lone bumblebee looking where the daisies had been (laughs) I was so guilty so I'm gonna invest in some pots and just put some some flowers and stuff and just you know give give back a little bit because yeah the guilt was real right there (laughs) well you can Um, always make up for it can't you (laughs) and at least I have the lavender in my front garden which is going absolutely nowhere for a while and they they do love it yeah get at the front so that's it he might he (laughs) might have found that five minutes later yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) thought oh that's good job i didn't have those days i've got this instead now (laughs) (laughs) well um i think emily you have some jobs on the plot for us don't you so i do what will we be up to this weekend now there is growth underway on the plot it's time to get those slug controls in place. Germination and growth will be slower at this time of the year, 
leaving crops vulnerable to these slimy critters. As the weather becomes milder, young weeds will begin to shoot up, as well as your young seedlings. Remove them immediately from borders to help control them before they really take hold. When planting, remember to allow adequate spacings between edibles in your greenhouse. This will help to prevent fungal diseases as the humidity levels rise, keeping your plants healthy and happy as they grow. Also, before sowing carrots or planting brassicas, remember where you grew these crops on the veg patch last year and practice crop rotation to avoid any overwintering root flies. Have a wonderful week and until next time, happy growing! This episode of The Dirt was brought to you by Gardening Works. Wood specialists providing high-quality, sustainable raised beds, compost bins and much more. Find the website at gardeningworks.co.uk for more information. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you could rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the word at your allotment site, community plot or even just over the garden fence. Plus, as a special treat just for listeners of The Dirt, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash grow two, that's G-R-O-W and the number two, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote grow two to receive three issues of Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $12.99. That's a saving of 38%. Every issue is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with brilliant bonus gifts, often a selection of seasonal seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.